I think the thing is, too, people are depending on you, not just your manager, the IA firm, the carrier, but that policyholder is depending on you Absolutely. to get them back to where they were prior to that loss. So that's something you it, it's a heavy weight to, to mm-hmm. carry sometimes, but it's a burden that you should almost welcome, you know, to feel like, hey, I am the person that can get them back to where they need to be. I can get them through this difficult mm-hmm. time and get, you know, them back to, to square one to where they were before that loss. Welcome back, everybody, to season two of the New Adjuster podcast. This is episode five, and we are super thankful that you're joining us today. As always, my name is Murphy. I'm the property training manager here at CNC, and with me is... Kelsey, property claims manager. Thanks, Kelsey, as well, for joining us. We are super excited, obviously, to have you back with us. Again, episode five, we have had great content up until this point, even dating back to season one. If you've missed any of that, obviously, go back and give it a watch or a listen wherever you get your podcast. But today we dive into an introduction to auto adjusting. So I know we are very excited about this subject, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we are really thankful that you're here, ready to dive in. So let's go ahead and welcome our very special guest today, Mr. Joel Reynolds. So Joel, thanks for being here. Give us a little kind of an update on what you're doing, where you've been, how long have you been doing it, those types of things. Okay, well, yeah, like you said, my name is Joel. It's a a pleasure to be here, uh, for one, but I've been uh, working for CNC doing independent adjusting for about eight years now. I started in auto, and I've worked auto several times since. Um, I'm actually a trainer, you know, slash manager here at CNC when it comes to, you know, auto and working it from day to day and doing what needs to be done. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, So what can you can you start by explaining what an independent adjuster is and what their role in the automobile industry is? Well, an independent adjuster is someone who's gotten their license through their state, Mm -hmm. you know, basically to work for insurance companies on various claims. Now that can range from auto all the way to crop. But, you know, um, obviously today we're talking about auto. So generally what happens if insurance companies in general have a overflow of claims just due to, you know, a lot of accidents or maybe a hailstorm come over through or maybe a flood, something along those lines. A whole bunch of cars get messed up at all once. Well, that's when they call independent adjusters in and go, hey, look, we got a lot of work to do in a short time to do it. Right. We need to get this done. So that's essentially what we're there, we're there for is we're just, you know, hired hands to get everything moving as fast and quick as possible with as much efficiency. Yeah. All right. So when most people think about auto adjusting, too, they think about, you know, hailstorms, hurricanes, floods like that. But it, the auto claims aren't specific to those types of losses, right? Can't you deal with like collision and things like that? You can do mm-hmm. all of it really as an auto adjuster with that independent license. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I've worked, you know, um, I've worked arsons. I've worked, um, let's see here, people hitting deer, people oh, yeah. people just driving into ditches. Like that happens <laughs> way more often than One car accidents. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. And, you know, we work those from day to day and, you know, um, and, and you could be working like, you know, that arson claim. And then the next call you get is, Hey, I hit a deer. And then the next call car you get is that I was in a seven car pileup. Right. Now, most of the time you're not going to want that seven car pileup, but <laughs> the call's coming in. Right. So you don't, it, you're not really, I guess, pigeonholed into one type of loss as an auto adjuster working mm-hmm. for any carrier, any firm, you can handle kind of a myriad of different losses. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Never really thought of an arson claim for auto insurance. Could happen. Angry girlfriends, you know. I can see it. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's crazy. Um, So what what are the key responsibilities as an auto adjuster, as, you know, an independent adjuster when it comes to assessing those auto claims? What is your main responsibilities? 
Well, first of all, you want to make sure that the customers, you know, heard when it comes to their claims. I mean, a lot of people, they care about their cars. Mm-hmm. That's something that you drive every single day. Oh, yeah. And you might not think about it all the time. Like, when's the last time you looked at your bumper? Something along those lines. Sure. And, you know, it's they don't think about it until something happens. Absolutely. And then it's just like, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to pick up my kids? How am I going to get groceries? And so your main goal, whenever you, you know, one of your main responsibilities is assuring them like, look, I'm here for you. I'm going to get this done for you. And we're going to get this done as quickly as possible. Here's what I need from you. And here's what we'll be doing. Right. Um, And then that way they fully understand. And I always like one of my things that I always did was I always explained the next five steps in the process. Like, this is what you can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to get an estimate done. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then, you know, just making sure that they un- understood every um, step in the process. That way, you know, they are not worrying as much. You right. know, just sitting at home going, what's going on with my car? Yeah. So you talk about process and process for every claim is relatively the same, right? But auto is a little bit different Mm -hmm. in some aspects. So let's take it in terms of an auto field adjuster. Okay. So you're not Mm -hmm. a desk. You're actually out in the field doing auto claims, whether it's weather, collision, whatever the case may be. Give us kind of an A to Z what you do. Obviously, we know first contact and from there kind of take us down the the list of steps. So, yeah, like you said, the first contact, you know, setting up an appointment and and whether that's going to be an intent or whether that's, you know, if it's a non-drive because sometimes vehicle aren't drivable right um you set up like hey i'm gonna be here this day this time you know you get there you kind of you know go hey you know introduce yourself to them like we spoke on the phone just wanted to you know we're going to go over the car and like what i one of the things i would like to do is i walk around and i you know kind of point stuff out to them and i kind of explain to them what i'm seeing right and you know and if they have any questions i answer them on the spot um typically what i try to do as well is i you know Let's say there's some odd damage on the car. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it and go, what is this from? Right. Because like, let's say you got a front end damage. Right. Well, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of dents on the rear end, I'm gonna immediately go, well, probably you know, not what is related. This, yeah, yeah. What is this from? <laughs> right. And if they're like, oh, if that's related, okay, how? how? You know. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna outright say like, no, it's not. Right. <laughs> but you do a little investigative work. Exactly. There. Yeah. Um, and you know, from there, um, you know. You used to be able to write checks just right at the place, but mm-hmm. I think that most places have stopped doing that. Yeah. So essentially, you kind of go, hey, look, I'm going to get an estimate done for you. I I tend to um, undersell, over-deliver. Right. So I'll tell you, I'll tell them, like, hey, I'll try to get this done within the next couple of days and then have it back to them same day. Yeah. That way, you know, they're more, much more happy. Like, this was going to take a lot longer I'm glad that you could get this done for me. Yeah. And you kind of set a good precedence there. You've already Mm -hmm. exceeded those expectations. Yeah. Right. And then I've also set an expectation if, if something happens where I can't get that estimate done in that, in that first, you know, day or so. Sure. So that way they're like, okay, well, you know, it's only been two days. He said it was going to take, you know, about two to three. So we're we're giving yourself some leeway there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Undersell over deliver. I like that. So you you talk about being in the field and doing, doing this face to face with people are, um, adjustments that are coming from virtual adjustments are those more common nowadays going and and doing a virtual adjustment having them use their phone and oh yeah absolutely absolutely with the you know with the introduction of like you know um different you know devices um having the ability to like stream and you like you can Mm -hmm. see what they're looking at Absolutely. Those that, you know, people are much more able to write better estimates based off of that. And quicker, would you say? Um, yeah, I would say quicker because you're able to actually talk to the insured because sometimes when you're on the phone with them 
and I would say it also produces more accurate as, um, mm -hmm. estimates because when you're on the phone with them, sometimes you can ask them those little questions that they're not thinking about. Sure. Um, like, for instance, my car recently, I ran into a deer. <laughs> of course, me being an adjuster, I immediately went to the front of my car and I looked at, you know, A to, a to Z, contacted my insurance company. And I filled out the form, and they're like, well, is there anything you need us to know? And I basically listed out every single thing that was wrong. Sure. And I sent it to them. That way they couldn't, you know, later on, well, we never should have mm -mm, No, I told you. <laughs> nope. Um, but, you know, like, for instance, um, my door started creaking. Didn't do that before. It's, I mean, it's not a new vehicle, but those doors were not creaking. Right, yeah. So, um, and that's the sort of thing that they don't think about. Yeah. Like, is your door creaking and it wasn't before? Yeah. And it turns, you know, and I looked at him like, okay, so my fender got pushed back and then it's, you know, kind of hitting the door and making it creak and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the sort of thing that when you're ever, you're doing virtual, you can ask them, like, is there anything else that you can think of? Like any new noises, any new this, any new that? Can you show me that particular area? Yeah. So, so I don't work too much in, or I don't work at all in auto. I do mostly property. Is the process for, say, for your creaking door example, mm -hmm. that it happened a month or so after your claim was finished. Do you, are, are there, is there a supplement process that you can call in and say, hey, this started happening from my wreck, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Is it the same same scenario that you call yeah. in? And Well, yeah, I mean, typically they would just reopen the same claim. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't be a whole new claim because, I mean, that would just be... Still you know, related. I, yeah, no. yeah, it's still related. It'd just be a headache to open a new claim. So essentially you just go say, hey, look, this door's creaking now. Yeah. Like, I I believe it is related to the accident. Generally what the insurance company's going to ask you to do, take it to the shop. And, you know, from there, what they're going to want is the shop confirming, hey, is this, you know, do you think this is related? Yeah. Um, and because, you know, you can say all day up and down, like, this is related, this was related. But, you know, if I'm on the other end of that, you know, I'm like – what I always tell people, I trust you, but I need to verify. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people come, I'm not saying you're one of them, but a lot of people come out and they say X, Y, and Z, and it's just doesn't look like it's related right. to your incident. Yeah, and I think, too, you get that unbiased opinion from mm -hmm. a body shop. You know, they're going to get paid one way or the other based and on the absolutely. other damages. Based on their opinion, it's what they do every day. Do you think this could potentially be related to that, like the door creaking to front-end damage and mm -hmm. things like that? Okay. Right. So now one thing I think about when you think of auto adjusting and like when I did it back in like 2013, 14, 15 mm -hmm. is you mentioned earlier, most people, they look at their car, they've got damage and they think, how am I going to get to work? So what happens then? Is there a rental that's involved? Is that something a lot of times that the carrier will, you know, basically apply for and get that done for? Or is that done separately? Is that a separate claim? How's that whole rental process go into play there? It, de it depends on what's on their policy. Okay. I mean, because um, most insurance companies, they have a specific rental coverage that you need to ask your agent for. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're working a claim, that's something you always have to look for. Do they have rental? Right. If they do not have rental coverage, I always just you know, say to them like, Hey, sorry, you don't have any rental. Just tell them up front. Right. Yeah. And it, and I, and I always follow it up with, if you think that is a mistake, mistake, contact your agent's mm -hmm. office because I can't fix that on my Right. End. Um, and that way, you know, sometimes because it, it, um, it was getting to a point where some agent's offices just weren't updating the, the policies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so they, people would call in claims and be like, no, I've been paying for rental for months. Right. So, um, but yes, there is a, you know, generally what you're going to do is they're going to say, Hey, look, I need a rental. And you're going to tell them what their rental coverage is, whether it's, you know, based on days or an amount of money, depending on the, you know, like per day, like let's say it's $50 a day and their maximum is like $2,000. Right? right. So they can get less than that $50 a day. 
and then make it stretch, or they can just do the fifty dollars and run it up as all, all the way up to that two thousand yeah. dollars. But yeah. yeah, it just depends on what their rental policy is, and you know, um, like what they what. And generally, what you want to do is you want to base it off of what car that they have. So like, right. you know, give them something similar because they might need it. You know. Yeah. So don't run out and go get like a Porsche if you've got. I've, I've had I think people. He, I think he was thinking more along of the lines of if they've got three kids, they need an SUV, right? Well, yeah, no, that too. But I have had people who like, like really. Well, yeah, they like. I think I got a call from one. Um, I can't remember what the rental place was, but they said, "Yeah, he's out of like he's out of coverage." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, how much has he run up so far?" It's like seventeen hundred dollars. I'm like. How? Yeah. It's been, and I literally was like, it's been four days. How? And he literally went to like this luxury, like rental place. And I don't, I think he did got he? like a, I don't remember if it was a Porsche, what brand car it was. So did he have a Porsche to begin with? Because that, I've no. always wondered that as well. Like, so say I have a higher end SUV, I don't, but say I did. Right. Um, would they be liable for me to remain, not liable, I guess, would insurance typically cover something that is as comfortable so say it's a nicer like a luxury like a luxury suv does or do you have to specify that with your agent when purchasing your policy i wouldn't say you have to specify it no i mean because whenever you're purchasing your policy they need to know what the car is anyway right Right. um so whenever you're you know filing a claim for insurance it's you know it's going to pop up like hey this this year make model right um and then from there what i typically do is i say look you can get the same I'm, I'm going to try to get you the same kind you know like get you into a rental that is the same kind but you can also do a little bit cheaper and you know make your rental last in Have case it out. Yeah, yeah in case your repairs take longer than expected which yeah. is a, which was a problem for a long time I there I say with the C word COVID yeah, that, yeah um, because it caused parts yeah, yeah it's everywhere and when, if they got to order them and yeah mm-hmm. that can take a while too yeah absolutely so whenever you are doing auto adjusting, we've talked a lot, again, up until this point, season one, season two, about property, flood, right. stuff like that. So we talk a lot about Xactimate, SimBility, SimSol, things like that. What are the estimating softwares you use in auto? Because I know it is different than you know homeowners mm-hmm. in flood. Well, I will say different insurance companies want you to use, might want you to use a different one. Sure. Okay. So getting, you know, I, I always look at it as you, it's better to be a jack of all trades versus, yeah. a, you know, a master of one. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, a very good point. Because, you know, there's several different, I mean, because each, in, each insurance company has a different way of doing things. Right. Um, I tell that to insurance too, because yeah. they always ask, well, this other insurance company, like, we're not we're not talking about that right right, right. like they have their own way of doing things we do this way yeah but you know there's autotex mitchell ccc1 okay uh those are you know just a few ones that um what are those things uh, estimating programs yeah okay Mm -hmm. so like exactly yes exactly because like i remember when i did it we used a lot of mitchell and autotex was kind of newer i think Mm -hmm. at the time so. And then it switched. It went from Mitchell to Autotex, and then, um, f- like, I think the primary one that a lot of people are using now is CCC1. Okay, so, yeah, I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, it's that. actually, it's very, like, I've used it. I've yeah. written a, I've quite a few estimate supplements on yeah. it. It's very intuitive. It, like, it helps you out a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is it provided to you by the firm or the carrier to what? Like, you don't have to have your own, do you? Mm, uh, I mean... Some might ask you to have your own just because you are an independent adjuster and some insurance companies, you know, to a degree are like, well, you're independent. Right. You know, you you might need to provide your own equipment. 
Um, but other insurance companies, yes, they will provide that to gotcha. you as well as some other equipment. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between field and desk in auto? Okay. Uh, well, for instance, um, in field, typically, you know, you're going to be a one-time trip, you know. Like if it's field, you're typically writing up, you know, an estimate, paying them for it, and then you're pretty much done for that one. And you go to the next one. And you yeah. go to the next one. If yeah. they have any problems, supplements, anything like that, they're going to call back in office, right? Um, then it's assigned to a desk adjuster at that point, or? It, it depends. Some some insurance companies don't work with individual adjusters per, you know, mm-hmm. um claim some insurance companies what they do is they just have a whole team that way if someone isn't able to answer the phone right away well we have this other person right here who can work on this right now gotcha and then you know the so files no claim owners right. that's right. what i was gonna say yeah mm-hmm. okay gotcha there's, there's not a lot of claim ownership in auto unless you're working with really hard cases where yeah. we're like maybe a shop is a really dishonest shop or maybe an insured is you know um has been investigated several times for the big f word um <laughs> Go ahead and say what that is. Fraud. There you go. So I just want to, you know, just want to put that yeah. out there. Yeah, I've, you have no idea how many times I've been in an office and I've gone to say that word, and they're like, "No, no, no, no don't say don't it. Say we it. do not say the big F word." Yeah. No. Well, it's scary. I mean, in all, but we have to realize that's a reality mm-hmm. in in our line of business is that that happens and it's scary but it does oh yeah another um reason you might see people who actually have ownership over claims is like medical claims where people have gotten really jacked up i was Mm -hmm. gonna ask that too um how common i mean i i see you see all the bad stuff on the news where Mm -hmm. injuries happen in car accidents how common is it for an independent adjuster to be assigned a claim that has injuries or fatalities or well, typically, if you are assigned to, like, you know, if you do pull up a claim that has injuries or fatalities mm-hmm. or something like that, typically it's going to be assigned to someone else. Gotcha. That's just been my experience. Right. And it's not that I'm incapable of handling it or in, 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 incapable of empathy or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, you know, they would prefer their own people on it. Because gotcha. typically with injuries and stuff like that, yeah. you're going to have lawyers. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, lawyers can get very nitpicky about what you said, mm-hmm. what they said. And if you and if you're the next question is how you know how many times have you seen a lawyer pop up? Well, how many billboards do you see on right. the side of the road? Exactly, happens every very day. True. So yeah, they very true. staff versus IA in those situations. Yeah, with injuries mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So we talk about the field when it comes to auto too, and we talk about workload. So again, we've talked about some other types of losses before, mm-hmm. whether it be property and flood. How many you can do in a day? Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was doing it, we did a lot of drive-ins, right? Where you know a hailstorm happened, cars would come to an old fire station or something like that, and you would they'd come in, you'd write an estimate, and it was literally like a drive-through. Right. So I know with those you can do more in a day, but if you're doing non-drive, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a flood vehicle or something like that, a car that's not drivable, mm-hmm. how many could you do in a day if you were just the average adjuster? I'm not talking about an expert. Okay. If you were just an average adjuster, how many could you do a day if they were well, all relatively close? Okay, if they were relatively close, that was going to be the one thing I was going to say because like in my head, my first thought is like how many can I fit within, you know, maybe a few square miles. Sure. Yeah. Um, and average, how, how long does an inspection take? Maybe that's a better way of. It depends okay. on the extent of the damages. Some are going to be worse than others. Yeah. So some you're going to be able to write quicker than others as well. Sure. Like, for instance, if I get, go out to a car um, and I see it's a level four flood, that's a quick estimate to write. Right. Um, you know, just one line, boom, one done. One line out the door. Yeah. Um, you know, if it gets to a level two, that's when it gets, you know, a little bit more 
finicky. Like, what brand vehicle is this? How much electronics is in it? If it's a Tesla, you ain't touching it. You're not not getting near it. Um, But, you know, it's essentially those are the kind of things that you have to look at. But for the average adjuster, let's say he's been on the job a few months. He, you know, he's he's gotten into his groove. I would say maybe eight or nine a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Depending on, you know, depending on how many cars that he's coming across that he's actually very familiar with. So I have a question with that. When it comes to personal property that are that is in the automobile, yeah. I know property insurance typically covers that. What Correct. do you do as a on-site field auto adjuster when you come across a claim that there a lot of personal property damaged from the flood or from whatever? Do you take photos of that, provide it to the property insurance company, or you just kind of say, "Hey, that's out of my realm. We're not mm-hmm. going to deal with that." I would uh, I would advise the person on site like hey look this is you know because mm-hmm. one of my jobs is you know to be the insurance adjuster and let you know what's going on yeah so I typically break any bad news that I have in person yeah. reason for it is if you're on the phone you're just you know like they can feel like they can yell and scream at you all day it's just a matter of fact thing it's like um they have a term for it online i think it's just like the anonymous like almost the anonymous keyboard uh, warrior yeah, basically yeah yeah that's the word thank you <laughs> took me a minute yours is better yeah but essentially you know it, it that kind of kicks in in the back of their head and they're yelling and screaming now yeah. if i tell you in person you might raise your voice a little bit and you might get visibly upset but you know you're not going to be screaming at me so i typically tell them in person one to go ahead and let them know right away okay. And two, just to make sure that, you know, any of that can be just cut off at the pass and they're not thinking like, oh, this is going to be covered. And then this, you know, surprise is sprung on them two days from now and they figure out it's not. Um, But, you know, generally you would have, I would just say, hey, take pictures of it, you know, um, just let them know that there was an auto claim, this happened, blah, 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 blah. And then like, you know, this items were, I mean, and I would also tell them like, you know, just make sure you're as accurate as possible. I remember one claim that I ran across um, where this guy said he had like $7,000 in petty cash and two high-end assault rifles in his car, and it caught fire. (laughs) And I'm like, that don't, like, for one, that just sounds suspicious. Like, did you rob a bank? Like, did you stick up a place? But for two— Fast and Furious. Right. For two, if that's not the case, why? Why (laughs) would you leave assault rifles in your car, Mm -hmm. A? Yeah. So with that being said, what are some ethical considerations that independent adjusters should keep in mind when handling audit claims? Yeah. um, So, I mean, you know, ethically, you never want to get mad at a claim Mm -hmm. or get mad at the person on the phone with you. Um, You have to understand that they might be mad at the issue or mad at, you know, X, Y, and Z. Not necessarily about you. Don't get angry at them. Don't yell at them. Don't scream at them. Just what I tend to do is I just listen. Sometimes, most of the time, people will talk themselves out. Mm-hmm. They'll, you know, and at, you know, the, you'll listen to them scream and you'll just be like, yeah, I understand. You know, I'm here to help. And, you know, at the end of it, they're like, look, I'm sorry. You know, right. it's, this isn't about you. So that's one thing that I always do. Uh, another thing is you never want to work a claim with someone that you might know or yeah. that, you know, you, like, for instance, a family member or something like that's that. That's a good point. Um, and that's mainly because, you know, that insurance company might, you know, go, well, hey, you know this person. Why are you working this claim? Right. Did you yeah. give him any special consideration? Yeah. Um, Especially if it was a true large loss and you're like, hey, oh, just being absolutely. honest here. But like if you, you know have mounds person. of cash in right. the car and there's assault rifles. <laughs> yeah. <and that>. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, yeah, stuff along those lines. You know, the, uh, you just want to make sure that you're, give, you're doing the just 
the best job as possible Mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, that there's nothing that, you know, could be seen in a negative light towards you, that you're giving everyone the best that you can do and, you know, avoiding the stuff that you really shouldn't be doing. I mean, that's, I mean, everybody should know that though. Good question. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to another fact or fiction segment here on the New Adjuster Podcast. This segment is brought to you by Blue Leopard Agency, a marketing agency that's redefining success in the digital age. Visit blueleopardagency.com today to discover how they can tailor a marketing plan that's as unique as your brand. Don't wait. Take a step forward to redefining success in marketing right now. Kelsey, fact or fiction? All right. Your car is covered during a nuclear disaster no ma'am no it's, it's fiction. Fiction. fiction all right, yeah. All right. um yeah i mean uh, think about this you have a nuclear disaster in a you know major town or you know near a major town how many cars are going to be affected all of them nearly all of them right so i mean that insurance company would have to you know just literally wipe the board and give everybody what their car is worth at that time and you get a new car. You get a new car. And That's I mean, right. Yeah, so essentially it's just not cost efficient for something like that. You Makes know? sense. Good deal. Yeah. Good fact or fiction. All right, so I'm going to ask that question. Uh, how's the compensation structure typically work for IAs in the auto industry? And what can you typically expect in terms of income potential? So um, it really depends on what you're doing. Um, so if you're out in the field and you're working, going out to these cars or, you know, sitting in a um, tent somewhere, something along those lines, you, I mean, typically you're going to get, uh, you know, for one, you're going to be working a lot longer. Sure. Um, I mean, as, as in terms of the days of the week. Yeah. You know, most of the time if there's a disaster and you're being sent out to the area, you're working seven days a week. Yeah. And those are 12-hour days. So if you're not used to that, I would get mm. used to it real quick. Yeah. That's um, rough. <laughs> It is very rough. But and it doesn't last forever. No, no, it doesn't. It only lasts... that's what you have to tell yourself. Yeah, it lasts maybe a couple months, you know, at most. Maybe, or, you know, a good day. At least, uh, usually. <laughs> I've, I've been on one that was like four months long. But it just really depends. Uh, you also get per diem while you're out there, usually. Um, but uh, if you're in office, you're typically working maybe six days a week, sometimes seven, sometimes five. It depends on what the insurance company wants you to right. do. Um so, I mean, uh, for the people who work in seven days a week, typically it's going to be hourly and it's going to be time and a ta- time and a half after 40. Nice. So you can do the math on that. It, yeah. you know, it gets high pretty quick. Sure. Um, you know, and I think previously I, I, I've made like maybe seven K in a two week period. <sighs> yeah. That's um, awesome. yeah. And that was just, you know, me working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. It was like, you know, go, 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 go. So, um, so I take it that auto claims are not paid based on claims handled. It's based on an hourly. Mm-hmm. It's not paid per claim. Well, uh, and the reason for it is, you know, if it was if it was paid per claim, then people might start missing things. Yeah. Sure. Um, because um, the way I look at it is, you know, if you're paid by if you're paid per claim for an auto claim, you're going to be wanting to get that auto claim out as quickly as possible. I can get thirty done in a day. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, well, great, but how quality are those thirty? Like, did those. you get everything done? Right. Is that customer happy? Like, you know, those are the things that I would kind of look at. Like, sure, you can do thirty in a day, but if I'm looking back at your file notes, I'm looking back at this, looking back at that, and you're, you know, it's just like, you know, one or two words per thing, then I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. yeah. why should we pay you for right. this? We've talked about this before, and I always think quality over quantity. 
oh, hands yeah. down. That's, Absolutely. You know, yeah. the way I like to see hundred percent. Yeah. So you've even done property adjusting as well, even yeah. a little bit in the office here at CNC, um, as well as being independent out in the field. Absolutely. Would you say that having experience on the other side of the fence on the property and or the flood side helps when it comes to auto or is it just totally different to where it doesn't really match up? Um, I would say both um, help each other, especially if you're used to working in the systems for, you know, a specific insurance company. Okay. You know, so like, you know, say, let's say insurance company A, you know, they have a specific system for, you know, their auto and their property side. Well, you know, you're going to go through and you're going to be like, well, I'm already pretty familiar with this system. So I can, you know, it, it kind of, they, they kind of marry each other in a way where yeah. you're able to, you know, zip through. I mean, when I, you know, I had been working in auto, maybe like, I don't know, a couple of years before I even touched some particular, you know, property mm-hmm. sides of things. But I was already familiar with that system. Right. So I was already five steps ahead of people who were just starting. Brand new, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, and that's where, you know, I would always step in and be like, hey, look, you know, I know, you know, you know, this is going on, this is going on. Somebody might not be available to help you right away, but here's the, you know, what you're looking for here. Yeah. You know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's like we always talk about, too, on, on previous episodes about paying it forward. You know, if you know something right. somebody else doesn't know, everybody had a first day. Right? Oh, absolutely. Lean over to the person next to them and help them out and say, hey, you might want to do this. Or you might want to take this step next in order to get that claim progressing right. or moving or whatever the case is. So, yeah, that's a very good point. I had an old adjust- adjuster, one of my first deployments, who um, he, I think, uh, or, well, his exact words uh, were, uh, pay the people close claim. Is essentially what he told yeah. me. It was just like, you can't do that all the time, <laughs> but it's a good motto to have in your mind. Sure. Pay the people close claim. Yeah. Close claim is happy claim. That's right. Mm-hmm. Makes everybody happy. Yeah, exactly. People are happy people. Mm-hmm. You so know. That's, that's very true as well. So um, can you share any memorable or challenging experiences from your career as an auto adjuster? Oh, that's a good one. So I got, hmm, I've, I've had calls before where you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like, for instance, I was working total loss Mm -hmm. and, uh, this lady called in asking about her car and I said, well, you know, in total loss, I, what we had to do is confirm options on the car before we, you know, just make sure everything's correct. Everything's correct on your car. So we're paying you the right amount. Right. Um, and you know, I was, and there was a particular option in our seat. You know what a lumbar is, you know, lumbar support. Right. So I tell, yeah. Right. Like Everybody. Like yeah. all three of us lean back. Um, and, you know, I asked her, I was like, well, ma'am, does your car have, you know, lumbar support? What is lumbar? Mm. Okay. You know, it's a medical term. Sure. You know, like I was like, we can work through this. Um, you know, you don't like your spine. Yeah. And she said, what is spine? And that's when I, you know, had to stop and go, okay, you know, like your back. And she goes, well, I'm just going to have you talk to my husband. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, that, that, that is probably, probably for the best because yeah. you, 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 you can't say anything else to that. Sure. Like, no. You know, and then uh, there was one other time where this lady called in and her car was missing. Toe shop said that they dropped off the shop shop saying they don't have it. So I said, ma'am, let me give you a call back. I'm going to get this worked out for you. Right. Because what she, from what she told me on the phone, she had been hung up on five or six times that day yeah. by other people who just didn't know what to do. So, I have questions. Yeah. Oh. That can be a very disconcerting experience, too. Yeah. What, what questions do you have? Was it stolen? No. Was it towed or it was broken towed, yes. down? It, what do you mean broken down? Like is the, the tow car truck broken bro- down? No. So her car was in an accident. It was being taken from an accident scene. So essentially what happened was the tow truck driver had been drinking that night, oh. got the call, 
went out to went out to that car, took the car, said, "I don't feel like taking this all the way to that place." Dropped it off like in a in the bushes somewhere, and then left it there. Did he not think you would be and found? Then, uh, oh no, because he reported the job completed, oh, so man. the the tow truck company wasn't really thinking about it. So it was just one of those things where like I had to like call that tow truck company and essentially go, look, you know that car's not there. You guys have it somewhere. You need to find it. And they were like. Well, I don't. I'm like, you know, you don't understand. <laughs> like, oh my god, you were now responsible for this car, right? Yeah, you're the one that took it away you're from the, the last scene. One that saw it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if it's just Do you gone, have proof of you dropping it off. I mean, I'm sure the shop had cameras, and they're like, this tow truck never showed up with this vehicle. Well, yeah, and you know, I even asked the shop to confirm. I was like, have you checked your back lot? Have you checked anywhere that you might store a vehicle? Like anywhere along those lines? They said it's nowhere. It is not here, and we are the only. And we are the only shop in this town with this name. And can you think how upset that insured is thinking, A, I just got in a wreck so bad I could not drive my car from the yeah. scene, and B, my car is gone. It is mm-hmm. missing. Oh, I would be in shambles. Oh, it, I mean, when I gave her the call and let her know that the tow truck company finally figured out that the guy never delivered it and it was on the way to the shop that, you know, at that point, she was, she was very relieved. I can tell you that. She <sighs> was, I think she was, like, in tears because she thought her car had been stolen and that she couldn't get it fixed and just... And that was the car that she needed for, you know, all of this. So, you know, like groceries. Yeah, life. Exactly. (laughs) That is definitely a memorable experience. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd say so. (laughs) Gosh. All right. So when we talk about auto adjusting too, and again, this is for our audience's new adjusters, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some certifications, some training programs, things that they can do to get more acclimated to the world of auto adjusting? I mean, most people probably think, well, you need to be an expert in the build of vehicles. You know, you need to know about – but in reality, what do you need to get started? I mean, uh, I mean, general knowledge of vehicles helps, yeah. you know. Like, I'm not saying that you have to be an expert by any means. Like you said, it, that's just a – you know, I mean, if that was the case, there would not be as many adjusters as there are now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you might look into uh, – I believe CCC has training programs on their website for, you know, writing estimates and such like that. I mean, CNC also ho- ho- hosts a whole bunch of workshops and classes about oh, yeah. writing hail claims, yeah. and, you know, for property and for auto. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's where I learned a good bit of stuff, too, is coming to those classes, yeah. you know, and, you know, meeting people, shaking hands, um, and, you know, going over, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, those are the resources I used um, you know, just kind of get like, I mean, I also watched like YouTube videos about yeah. like what the way something should be repaired. Sure. Cause there's sometimes when a shop says, well, it has to be done this way. Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, absolutely. and you know, but they'll, they'll insist and you'll just be like, look, I just reviewed this. It does not. So yeah, I know I used to come to the study halls they had here at CNC and they would mm-hmm. have them on weeknights and stuff like that. And I really looked forward to them because at the time I knew nothing about, right. You know, vehicles, I didn't know about the build of them, Mm -hmm. you know, how does something get hail damage and things like that. But I think the more you get into it, the more classes you take, Mm -hmm. the more knowledge you gain, the more comfortable you get with it, too. Oh, absolutely. It's like anything else. Once you do it, then you you get more and more comfortable. You gain that expertise and that knowledge as you go. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where, you know, like if you just keep working at it, you're going to get it. Right. Um, and, you know, you have plenty of people here at CNC who are able to, you know, answer questions and, you know, push you in the right direction. Like I was a manager and a trainer. I 
promise you, if I don't know the answer, I know where to get it. Yeah. Somebody around here's got it. Exactly. I can, I can remember being, you know, I've started in property. I've said it already today, but not done much in auto. But I remember starting in property. I first got my license and I came to a class here mm-hmm. or it may have been somewhere off site with Paul. And mm-hmm. I learned so much. I literally had three or four pages of a notebook filled up with info, just mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. that I never even thought about. Yep. I learned that the back windshield is not a windshield. It's a windscreen. And that is right. No, it's, back, winds- it's back glass. Back glass. What's the windscreen? When the windshield is the front of the, the front of the vehicle, because that's what actually shields the okay. people from the wind. <laughs> then you have the back glass on the back of the vehicle. What's the screen though? Like a screen door? Like a windscreen. Windscreen. Maybe I'm thinking what they call it. <laughs> like a grill on the front of the vehicle, maybe? We went um, off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are there any networking opportunities or industry associations that new independent adjusters should consider for advancing their careers? Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen quite a few social media groups yeah. online where a bunch of independent adjusters, you know, get together and they discuss, you know, yes. what the different companies are doing and, you know, what these different insurance companies are doing. Um, I mean, independent adjuster firms and, you know, the insurance companies, what everybody's doing, what's going on with them and stuff along those lines. Um, I mean, you can also come to like, you know, we were talking about earlier, the CNC study halls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's where I networked. That's where I talk to people. That's yep. where I, you know, really, you know, looked people in the eye and said, hey, my name is Joel. You know, I'm here to learn. And I'm like, you know, if you give me, like, you know, if you get me out here, I will do the work that you asked me to right, do. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that, I, I believe that's what really kind of propelled me yeah. further forward because, yeah. I mean, I haven't wanted for work since. Yeah, so. look at you now. Mm-hmm. I know. I was, Sometimes all you need is that opportunity. Yeah, I was you know? just going to say, I brought Joel up from downstairs. We're at CNC today, mm-hmm. and I think he hugged about 20 people walking in the door. Yeah. So everybody knew his name, and that's something that you strive for as an adjuster, yeah. I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, the people here know you. You should get to know the people at these firms, mm-hmm. um, you know, shake hands you know talk to them and that, right. that's just what you've done and, and it, yeah it's not and it's not always about work right. either it's about you know actually getting to know people building yeah. you know exactly you know because i can walk in and just go oh you know hey murphy how's it going like right. every single day but not sure. know a dang thing about yep. you right so yeah. um and when it when it comes down to it is that's not that's not building a network that's just building a you know a, a stack of cards that are called acquaintances yeah. and then at any moment it could just tip over and suddenly you got yeah. jack yeah that's so. very true that's very true so what advice would you give to new adjusters again that's mm-hmm. our audience new adjusters so maybe not even specific to just auto but what advice would you give to new adjusters they just got their first opportunity you mm-hmm. know they're ready to get started what would you tell that person if you could pull them aside for five minutes um work hard you know, it, it like this job, what I've learned, you know, over my, um, my, you know, work, just work ethic is the best thing that you can have. Mm-hmm. Be hungry for it. Like, you know, come in every day wanting to get this stuff done. I understand. You might be tired. You yeah. might be, you know, you might be exhausted some days. Yeah. But the thing about it is you have to push through. You have to be able to provide that level of, you know, customer, you know, uh, service yep. to people as well as, you know, being able to like stop and go, well, you know. And never, one thing I would say, don't admit that you don't know something to an insured. Right. Tell them, hey, I'm going to check on that. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, and don't say, "Hey, I'm going to go speak to a manager." No, thank you. No, yeah. do not do that. Because yeah. now you know what you've just done. You've taken the authority out of your hands, yeah. and you've passed it on to yeah, someone else. You've lost else. that credibility now. Correct. Yep. Now they're going to be thinking, "Well, I need to speak to that manager, not you." What right. do you say instead of that? Uh, oh well, I'm just going to have to review the policy and a couple That's of other exactly resources um, real quick, I and I will get right back to you. Yes. And essentially, just let them know, like, look. Like I'll review this, and sometimes, and most of the time, that's what I am doing is reviewing the policy, or you know, because the policy yeah. is a wealth of information. Yeah, study it. Also, review what states you're working in. Each yeah. state has different jurisdictionals that apply to different things with cars. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, Kentucky has a different um, definition on what they consider safety class than like Tennessee. Yeah, you know, hmm. so like side mirrors in Kentucky are nece- necessary, like versus another state where they might not be. Like motorcycle helmets are not illegal in Florida. Correct. Very I true. did not know that mm-hmm. for the Very longest true. time. Very true. So, like, for and I bring up safety glass because the reason for it is, um, and I, I, I think it's Kentucky. Somebody can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. <laughs> but essentially, you know, if that side mirror is broken, they have to get a rental vehicle. Yeah. It cannot be driven according to Kentucky state law. Yeah. Or even like total loss thresholds. I know that differs by state as well. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, Texas runs off of the ACOR system. Yeah. Um, you know, some states work off of 75% and some work off of just a, you know, I think it's left up to the insurance company's discretion. Yeah. But if, if it's left up, left up to the insurance company's discretion, usually defaults to 75%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just generally just come in, want to work ask the questions that you need to ask, show that you're willing to put in the work and show that you're willing to, you know, not make waves for everyone else. Because when you make wave at an, like at a independent adjusting firm, that wave doesn't just rock your ship. Yeah. Rocks all the ships on all, like in that general area around you, everybody's feeling the motion of the ocean at Mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you, you know, I'm just going to use calling in for an example. Your friend that sits next to you Mm -hmm. is taking all those claims that you were supposed to have. Their workload has doubled. Mm -hmm. Uh, The insured, they're not getting a call back when they need to. Not saying that that's rocking the boat, but it is. You know, you agreed to a... timeline of you right. coming in yeah. and doing this work and it's it's important stuff so. yeah and i think the thing is too people are depending on you not just your manager the ia firm the carrier but that policyholder is depending on you Absolutely. to get them back to where they were prior to that loss so that's something you it, it's a heavy weight to to mm-hmm. carry sometimes but it's a burden that you should almost welcome you know to feel like hey i am the person that can get them back to where they need to be i can get them through this mm-hmm. difficult time and get you know them back to to square one to where they were before that loss so right um yeah i mean i think the last thing i would say on it is um just be there for the insured sometimes it's you know you're being yelled at and you just need to listen sometimes they're sobbing their eyes out because they don't know how they're going to get to work tomorrow right um and you know you just have to be there listen and try to be the best you know person the best adjuster that you can be for them you know offer them sympathy and you know do what you need to do and everything will get easier over time. Yep. At first, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel like you're drowning. Take a deep breath. Concentrate on what you know. Do one thing at a time. Yep. Don't try to do five if you, can, if you can't even do one right yet. Yeah. So take your time. Do one thing at a time. And then once you're able to you know, do that one thing quick, Move to the next one. Move to the next one. Move to the next one. Yeah. Make yourself make yourself a checklist for claims. Yeah, you know, go through that checklist every single claim. Check on rental. Check on you know the estimate. Check on this. Check on that. Sooner or later, you won't even need that checklist. You can just you know ignore the checklist and you're doing it 
all by muscle memory at this yeah, point. Yeah, it becomes second nature to you. Exactly. Yep. And mm-hmm. at that point, maybe you can work another one or something along those lines. Yeah. But if you start screwing up, just go back to the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. first one. <laughs> There's the, like, you, yeah. you, like, I can't stress this enough. Try to do one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good tip for new folks in Absolutely. any line of adjusting. Mm-hmm. Any line. So I guess with that any line segue, I'm, I'm going to ask the question that I'm dying to know. Mm-hmm. Property or, or, or auto? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That is a hard question. It, it depends, is. It depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it, it really does depend. Um, I think I enjoy um, training or managing more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for it is, is I've always kind of like t- teaching people like, um, you know, like this is what you need to do. And this is like, sure, it can be frustrating as all get out sometimes. Yep. But I mean, most of the time, you know, um, just seeing them get it and seeing them like, you know, become good adjusters and being able to get all this stuff done. It really, you know, it makes my day sometimes. When yeah. the light bulb goes off and you see it. Yes. And, and like, you're like, that's yes. Great. Yeah. That, that makes me feel good. When yeah. That happens. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but if I had to pick between the two, um, drum roll, uh, <laughs> probably, probably property just cause there's a certain freedom okay. to it. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, especially when you're out in the field, like, you know, so would you say auto's best for be- beginners coming into absolutely you know, this? That's, field? that's the best place to cut your teeth is auto. Um, you learn, for one, if you're working, you know, just one of the, some of the quicker sections of auto, you learn how to, mul- like, you know, figure stuff stuff out quick and get answers out quick. And, you know, you're learning, especially if you're in office, you learn how to speak to people because that is a major thing. Yeah. Because one thing that um, they always pointed out to, um, you know, people who are working in these different sections is make just watch what you say. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I'm on the phone with someone and they're like, well, I'm going to do this and do that and do this and that, and I'm going to say good luck. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> you may have the best of intentions. Yeah. You may actually mean good luck. Yeah. They did not take it that yeah, way. Yeah, you don't know how somebody's going to take it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. With anything nowadays, it, you know, it's you got to not only watch what you say, but, you know, your actions as well, doing this this job, you know, making sure everything's documented correctly. Right. Um, you know, coming from the carrier's point mm-hmm. of view, you know, everything, if it's not in the file, it didn't happen. Right. So, I mean, I think... I didn't work in auto first. I worked in property first. But I, the more that I learn about auto, the mm-hmm. more I see, you know, it's easier learning the policy. It's a smaller policy than a big, large Absolutely. property yep. policy. Mm-hmm. So yep. maybe that is the, the way to go for the newbies out there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. okay. they're not worried, have to, having to worry about, you know, is the, is the fence attached to the house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think about it in terms of this. I mean, Ford Explorer, 5,000 square foot house. What's easier to look at? To me, that Ford Explorer, it's smaller, right? Sure, you have to have some knowledge base and some expertise Mm -hmm. on vehicles, but for a brand new person, that's a lot less daunting than looking at that 5,000 square foot house. That's kind of the way I looked at it when I started. I got into Mm -hmm. auto first, and I mean, I loved it. Fell in love with it. That's what made me want to keep progressing throughout the world of adjusting you know Mm -hmm. was the auto side when i got into it and you talked about that too so yeah i I think auto is a really good jumping off point for anybody trying to get into adjusting i think it's a good place to start yeah absolutely i agree i mean um and uh i mean once you get used to 
once you get used to the the constant just going of auto, you're I mean you're you're pretty much you're geared to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I mean I'm not necessarily saying that as soon as you're you know like doing really well in auto that you need to try to jump to property. You might need a little more time. Sure. Because sure you're getting done things things done quick in auto, but at the same time it's just. Like, okay, property is a whole different another animal. Yeah. You have to take, you know, certain certifications for certain companies. Mm-hmm. And you have to re- really review that policy. You have to know what kind of materials, you know, that you're using or that the house is and what the year of the house was built or, like, what kind of skylights were it. I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. So, I mean, really and truly, uh, auto deployments, they are, like you said, maybe a couple months long. Mm-hmm. You yep. could get several opportunities for, for auto deployments and then – you know, your name's there. Your name, they're mm-hmm. calling you for an auto deployment. And yep. and what if a hurricane hits and they're like, hey, are you interested in property? You want to come in and try right. this out? Yeah. That is when you dip your toe in, I mm-hmm. feel like personally. Yeah. But yeah. taking the auto deployments, yes, they're shorter. Yes, they're smaller. Yeah. But it gets your foot in the door and it mm-hmm. gets your name on the radar of HR, of yeah. these managers, of, you know, other desk adjusters who will right. recommend you because they worked with you on that last deployment. They know how good you were. Right. I think that's awesome. Um, I will say that some auto deployments do last longer than a few months, and that, and that's if you're working daily claims. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, car accident, hit a deer, single you know, single car collision, total losses, stuff like that. Those can last. You know, if the carrier is happy with what the work you're doing, could be you know well over a year before you're oh, you know wow. out of that deployment. Yeah. You know, there's been a few that I've been in a place for a very long time. Good to know. So yeah. So we talked about, you know, basically Kelsey put you on the spot, right? Had to pick property or auto. Let's stick to just auto now. If you had to pick, would you rather do weather-related claims or daily, like, collision losses? Things weather, like that? Weather-related claims all day. Okay. Because you know exactly what's covered and what's not covered. Gotcha. Okay. That makes and, sense. And um, the reason I say um, weather over collision, there's just a different aspect to collision. And yeah. the reason – and the, the first thing that it's going to be is subrogation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. who's at fault? Yep. Yeah, you it got another a, party to deal with there. Right. Yeah. It can be a whole. It, it can be very hard to determine who is at fault. Yeah. One thing I used to do when I first started is I got little, um, what should we call it, Hot Wheels, and I put them on my desk, and you know I kind of you know I would write on a sheet of paper what the road should look like, and then I would you know kind of go about it that way and see. You know what this that person should have been seeing. We need or, to clip that. <laughs> That's you know, good. What this person should have been seeing, or what this person should have been doing. Um, you know, uh, and there's just things like that um, that you can do to kind of help yourself along when it comes to subrogation. That is and, the coolest tip I think yeah. I have mm-hmm. heard yeah. thus far. I would have never thought about that. No. Well, uh, I can't remember who I, I know. I picked it up. It wasn't my original idea. <laughs> I won't claim it like that. But I know. I know. I picked it up from someone. I just can't remember who. Um, but in any case, um, there, that's one thing that you can do. Also, just, you know, a reminder that, you know, if there's two people in a parking lot and they're both back, backing out out of a parking spot and they hit each other, who's at fault? It's the first and like, well, just go I don't ahead. know. You yeah. tell me. Yeah. Uh, is it a factor fiction? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Tune in next week. <laughs> um, is it the person who's moving? The person backing up isn't at fault, correct? Oh, they're both backing up. Oh, then they're both at fault. Um, Neither are at fault. No. Everyone's you sure? At fault. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and Put it the, in the comments. And that's the and that's the hard part about subrogation. Now it, you're correct. If someone was moving down the lane and the other person backed out, boom! That person who backed out, they had a reasonable, you know, obligation 
to look while backing. That person is at fault. Absolutely. Right. Now, if they're both backing out, they both have a reasonable obligation to look while they are backing out of their that space. So, so they're they, both at fault. They're, I mean, it can't. It's not exactly fifty-fifty. It depends who's further out of the space, and oh you have to get gosh. that kind of. Yeah, I know. I have almost yeah. done that before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good it, to know. It's it can very become, interesting. It can become quite a headache, but um, you know, once you get kind of get used to stuff like that, you know, talking to people on the phone, and you know, kind of because you have to go over the facts of those cases with them. Um, I literally talked to one person, and I said, "Yeah, I just need the facts of the loss." Right, and. You know, he started describing all this really crazy stuff that, you know, well, and then this happened and then this happened. I'm like, sir, there's no indication like anywhere that any of this stuff happened. He said, you just told me to tell you what happened. You didn't say I had to tell you the truth. And I went. Sir, I asked for the facts of loss. (laughs) The facts. Facts not. Opinion. And that's just another like. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I had to pass them up to a, um, you know, the the more critical departments. like sure. yeah. To, so in those situations where they're both backing up, do you check in cameras? Is that how you determine who was out further? If they further? will give you cameras. Okay. Some Walmart, places like that, they ain't going to give you nothing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, because it's a it's a security liability for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. More, more and more people have dash cams. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that's true. Um, and I you know, honestly, I would recommend getting a dash cam just for, you know, the safety, the fraudsters out there as yeah. well. You yeah. know, the people, the, the swoop and squatters and stuff along those cool. lines. And um, the amount of, you know, footage I've seen from dash cam um, cameras where the person is like, mm-hmm. you can see that there's nothing in front of this car, but they just slam on the brakes. Right. And then the you know, boom right into them. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's the other person's fault. Yeah. There's nothing that you should have been stopping for. You obviously wanted this to happen. Yeah. So. Man, this was good stuff. I, I would. I was telling everybody in the in our office today, mm-hmm. yesterday, anybody that would listen, how excited we were about this episode. Because, like I said, we've we've dove really deep into property and flood mm-hmm. and RDL this year and things like that. But this is the first time we've touched on auto adjusting. So I am really pleased on how today went. I thought it was fantastic. Joel, you were amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, that was Like I said, when they said that you were the name that we were going to have for intro to auto adjusting, we, we both were, were like high-fiving. Yeah, we were both excited <laughs> because obviously we'd worked together in right. the past. Um, we knew you'd be a great guest. Obviously had a lot of experience, mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge in auto adjusting. So again, cannot thank you enough for being here with us today. Hopefully we can have another auto podcast at some point down the road or okay. another auto episode on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, that we can talk about. So, Kelsey, any closing thoughts from yeah. you? That was so great. I learned so much today. Well, I'm glad. I, I did I'm not glad. know a lot of this beforehand. So this this has been very enlightening, mm-hmm. and um, I appreciate you being on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks well, again, Joel. Appreciate thank, it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, everybody. We just finished up with Joel. Again, very awesome episode that we had today as we talked about auto adjusting. Before we go, we do want to do a MythBuster segment. So, Kelsey, what is our MythBuster for today? So, if you are um, adjusting a flood loss and the water gets in the cab inside the vehicle, it's a total loss, right? So, that is a myth So or a common misconception. The reason why is if the vehicle, number one, say it's on, the vehicle's actually running and it gets driven into a puddle and water gets sucked up into that engine, a lot of times it can lock it up and that can obviously cause a total loss. When you start talking about percentages of loss as it's you know related to the value of that vehicle, uh, by that same token, if you've got a newer vehicle, just because water gets in the cab and touches the floorboards and gets the carpet wet, it doesn't necessarily mean 
that it's a total loss vehicle. So that is a common myth or a misconception when it comes to auto adjusting, specifically on the flood side. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us today for season two of the New Adjuster Podcast. Great episode. If you missed our last episode or any previous ones from season two or back even into season one, go give them a watch or a listen wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, like and subscribe as well. We're super thankful that you joined us this week, and we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Thanks, y'all.